You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Well, everything I've seen on Twitter or, you know, on various websites has been that Josh Freeman is struggling. So Surprise! He's, he's playing like Josh Freeman, <laughs> is what I get from that. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! Episode 102 of the Two and Out CFL podcast with Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Grabbing a double-double as an entirely new meaning after last week, Ty. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time you've been to Langley, BC? Uh, Oh, I would have been nine. Okay, so you're not a suspect. No. (laughs) I also don't go into Tim Hortons that often to use the bathroom. How how was your May Long ready? How how was your May Long? You're getting ready to move or what? How long was my May long? It was about three days. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, I got really drunk on Friday, so I couldn't drink Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, so you're getting the three-day hangovers now. Yeah. Signed oh. the mortgage papers on Friday, and uh, we celebrated. Well, congratulations, buddy. Thank you, sir. This adulting thing is weird and new. It's, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being an adult sucks. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. All right, buddy, training camps opened up on Sunday, so of course there was so much to go through. Let's go through the rule changes that were proposed back in March, and every single one of them has been approved for the upcoming season, and I can't really see anything bad in these rule changes at all. No, I... I I tend to agree with all of them. Um, you know, a lot of them are for player safety. Um, you know, the there was the yeah. behind the the behind the line of scrimmage thing is now it, it's black and white. It's where you it's where your feet are. It's not where the ball is released or anything. So that's going to take a lot of guesswork out of it. Um, you know, I, I like the force out rule being eliminated makes a makes a receiver work a little harder to make that catch. Um, the only issue I really have is closing the loophole in the sleeper rule on the special teams play. Yeah, I saw um, that. That was interesting to me. They are getting a lot of, the, or trying to get rid of a lot of the gray area when it comes to certain rules. I do see they've expanded the definition of spearing. Uh, basically, any low hit you can't do, uh, but you can against a low running runner. So, like a running back, I could see that bringing on some arguments, but the biggest rule change we have here is illegal contact on a receiver can no longer be a play. Coaches can challenge. Thank you for making this change. Oh, that's huge. It, it, it's going to speed the game up. Um, you know, you're not going to be sitting there waiting for a coach to see reviews or see replay, sorry, and then decide to throw the flag. And, you know, they, they take three minutes to look at it. Well, you're making it. You're making a call on a judgment. It's not a black and white call. So, you know they're going to have to take a long look at it to to make up their mind. So this way, it just eliminates that, and you know we can get on with the game. No more fishing. The the coach has got a little bit too too much power there for a little bit. So I'm glad that one is gone. And I do like the replay official automatically reviewing potential 
touchdowns. They should be able to do that fast. Maybe I'm looking at that from an optimistic point of view. They should be able to review these things very, very fast. But plays marked down short of the line when it appears uh, obvious a touchdown has been scored. They will review it automatically just in case so the official doesn't have to call upstairs and do all that fun stuff to get that in there. But there's some good rule changes here, uh, some safety uh, for the players added into the season to go along with the extra bye week and the practice changes, uh, no pads during the season, and I don't see anything bad at all. But training camp isn't exactly the safest place to be for players. Uh, it opened on Sunday. There are a lot of battles to look forward to. Off the top of your head, are there any battles you are watching? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, who gets the backup job in Calgary only because we don't know who any of these guys are. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big one. We might not get to see them play all that often. Um, and maybe in Montreal, out of the, the five quarterbacks they have in camp, um, which, you know, it is what it is. It's camp. Um, just to see who comes out one, two, three, and that might be a little intriguing. But I, I still think they're going to be bottom of the league this year, so it might not be that big of a deal. That's got to be the lesser of five evils, no matter who, who wins that job. I, oh, Cavis Reed has had a long time to get some quarterbacks there, and those are your five choices? Two years ago, they had seven quarterbacks playing one preseason game. <laughs> so having five, is that, that's minor. Yeah, that's nothing, but... When you're starting quarterback, and I'm sure if you dig back into the archives, there were once upon a time when I was a big Drew Willie fan. He's got to be the he's got to be the favorite heading into camp. Uh, well, everything I've seen on Twitter or you know on various websites has been that Josh Freeman is struggling. So surprise, he's, he's playing like Josh Freeman <laughs> is what I get from that. Um, but so it makes you really the favorite, which means, you know, another four win season in Montreal. Ah, is that being a bit generous? People are going to start the bench starting week 17 against Montreal. Do we need another Brazilian wax bet on the Alouettes? I don't know if I want to do it in Edmonton. Too many people know me there. See, Winnipeg was safe. <laughs> would you would you do that again with somebody you were familiar with? Like, what if I did it? <laughs> would you be gentle? <laughs> always, man, always. Then absolutely. <laughs> and it looks like the backup could be Matthew Schiltz. We have seen some from him before, mm-hmm. but it is a bad situation at quarterback for the Alouettes. I do like... The running back situation in Calgary, that's going to be a fun one. Terry Williams burst onto the scene last year, and he actually did so well in his first game, he puked on the sidelines. So if he runs that hard again, then he's got a shot at that starting spot in Calgary. But from Edmonton, they release John White. Could that be an option to head down the QE2 and go play in Calgary? I I think it's a definite option, uh, whether or not Dave Dickinson takes that shot or... That being said, John Huffnagel. Um, but barring anything unfortunate happening in camp or someone else other than Terry Williams having an unreal camp in preseason, he's got to be the favorite. And even even with John White getting released, I mean, American quarterbacks are a dime a dozen, yeah. and John White hasn't been healthy for three years. So is that really a shot you want to take if you're Calgary, if you have a capable back already? And as we get ready for the season and fantasy is right around the corner, I like to stack up on the cheap 
running backs that nobody really knows about yet. And that's where a lot of the real value comes. Terry Williams had some good value last year. Hopefully he can do it again this year. Some running backs that were expensive last year were basically anybody in BC. Uh, Johnson, Jeremiah Johnson is a touchdown machine. They have, all reports say, about 50 new players to the team at camp this year. That is an absolutely massive number. Ed Hervey is making a lot of changes. Yeah, well, and they finished dead last last year in the West Division, so changes had to come. Um, you know, and it's it's almost like they knew that, you know, maybe it's not the coach. Maybe it is personnel. Um, they were had some injuries and everything last year, but I mean, the O-line wasn't good, which in turn affected the rest of the offense, and they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, but like 50, 50 new players, it seems like a lot, but I don't know how many new players will actually be on your opening day roster, but I mean, you, you can't argue with them giving guys looks, because last year it just didn't go well. Well, the entire secondary is going to be new, so that's about 10% of that 50 <laughs> right there yeah. already. And speaking of that offensive line, Jovan Olafioye was a long-time BC Lion, went to Montreal, but then ended up getting released, and about 10 minutes later, signs back in BC. So he is back in Vancouver, and suddenly that offensive line is looking pretty darn good again. It does, and with with a mobile quarterback like Jennings, uh, you know you you need a an offensive line that can move around and can pull guards and you know help help your quarterback scramble if he needs to uh, from from the weak side. So you know it's it's not a bad avenue you can get a veteran in there like Olafoye. So I, BC could surprise some people. I, I don't know if it'd really be a surprise, but they're definitely going to be an improvement over last year. But somebody in that West has to miss the playoffs, and it's a really good team is going to be out again this year. It'll be fun to watch the Eskimos there without some uh, big-time receivers from years past. Uh, we are without a Darius Bowman. We are without Brandon Zilstra. So there's some new spots open for receivers there. But John White is gone. Ladarius Perkins is gone. C.J. Gable is going to be a monster this year as long as he can stay healthy. We saw what he could do late last season when he actually got used. Hamilton didn't do anything with Gable at all, but he gets to Edmonton. He was amazing last year. If he puts a full season together this time around, he could have a really good season in green and gold. Oh, absolutely. I think He's got a legitimate shot to prove that he is a number one back in this league, and he somewhat proved it late last year. Um, and like you said, we didn't get to see him do anything in Hamilton. Um, you know, that, that offense was all pass, and teams knew it. So they didn't have to worry about Gable. But now, you know, with, with Mike Riley back there, and, you know, they still have a pretty decent receiving core in Edmonton with, with Williams and Bryant Mitchell and uh, Walker being back for this year. So it's going to be a pretty balanced offense, and he's going to have a shot to put up some big numbers. And you're, it's going to reflect in a couple weeks on his fantasy value on TSN for sure. Lots of news from Rough Rider training camp so far. I think the craziest thing I had heard was on Wednesday, Chris Jones said their practices were outstanding. Have you ever heard him be happy about the way the team has performed in a practice? This is I've never heard him be happy, period. Well, that, that's the exact thing. So he's liking what he's getting out of his team already three, four days into camp. And that's a good sign. And what did he say yesterday? We're not we're not here to to have a good regular season. We're we're here to win a ring. So you know if the guys buy into that, this this team could could go somewhere this year for sure. They brought in uh, a lot of 
Grey Cup talent and uh, uh, some really big names in the offseason, but a couple of them are gone already. John Ojo was really, really hyped. Uh, getting that signing in Saskatchewan is huge. People were excited to have him play boundary corner in Regina, but he has been released. And keep in mind here, he's not played a game since the 2015 Grey Cup, went to the NFL had uh, you know some cups of coffee, practice roster things, but comes back and th- they just said he's not ready physically, so he's been let go. They also let go Cameron Marshall, which really surprised me. Last year before he got hurt, he was awesome for the Rough Riders, but he also not ready physically, and Trent Richardson is on the suspended list, so running back might be an interesting position in Saskatchewan behind Jerome Messam, and Nick James also released, who defensive tackle last year made a lot of noise. These guys, you probably could see them pop up at other teams before the season starts. Well, not only other teams, maybe... You know, knowing Chris Jones, and yeah, yeah, I think there might be some handshake agreements as players leave. They never know, but like, yeah, these guys are totally capable of playing this league. Maybe not physically right now. Um, you know, there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. So maybe they just need to get reps somewhere. Um, you know, the training camp's still going on. There's still a chance for these guys to catch on somewhere, and maybe get some reps and get another look. So I don't think we're going to hear be hearing the last from these two, or sorry, these three this year. So. Taron Vaughn is really uh, impressing people at Rough Rider Camp. Left tackle, he's only 24 years old. Bruce Campbell is gone. If they can get a 24-year-old starting left tackle this year, that is huge for that team. Jake Hardy suffers a ACL tear, tear so he's out for the entire year. Um, Deron Carter is doing the two-way thing again. That kind of blows my mind here. The offensive talent there, it just feels like you have to keep him playing offense but he was doing exclusively defensive drills on Wednesday what well, what if he gets hurt playing defense in training camp i know they have a deep receiving core but i, I don't i still don't know about that i don't like it i said it last year i didn't like it defensive back has been a position that needs that's needed to be addressed because we obviously don't have the depth sorry we they don't have the depth um, <laughs> Homer. <laughs> Who am I, Rod Peterson? Um, they they don't have the depth right now uh, for for guys to be able to, you know, if somebody goes down, like now Carter's your backup. Is the, is the way it, it's going to play out again? It looks like this year, and I I don't like it because too much stuff can happen in a football game, um, you know. And you can say, well, what if he gets hurt on defense? Well, he can get hurt on offense too. I get that. But that's what he's paid to do is catch the football, not not play defense. So I, I don't like it that way. Um, although when he did when he picked off Bo Levi last year, it was pretty damn good. Yeah, that that was satisfying. But there are a lot of receivers kicking around. Naaman Roosevelt, Joshua Stanford, Chad Owens, Caleb Hawley, Bakari Grant. So there are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of receivers there to catch the ball in Saskatchewan, but you put Duran on there, it makes it even even better. But, I mean, <laughs> if he keeps Duran involved and let him... And I think that's what coaches have had problems with in the past, reeling him in, and he just ends up getting into trouble and <laughs> pissing everybody off. Uh, and blocking people on Twitter. Yeah, he, so how recently did he block you? 
I have no idea, but somebody uh, tweeted something about, or it might have been a, a retweet or a quoted tweet, and I went to click on it to see what it said, and I couldn't see it. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, apparently he's mad at me about something I said last year, but I'm not overly worried about it. Uh-huh. Eventually, Nick Lewis unblocked you, right? He did, and Nick Lewis was then, at camp in Saskatchewan. And then showed up at camp, like, you know. So I guess you need to tweet Nick. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> or show up to Ryder practice with cookies, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> what kind of cookies? <laughs> you know what kind of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make a phone call. <laughs> we go to Winnipeg now, and I don't know if you caught this. Did you see the vehicle that Andrew Harris showed up to bomber camp in? This is turning into Mets spring training last year with Cespedes <laughs> showing up in all those different vehicles. <laughs> Have you seen those Polaris slingshots? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's blue and gold. He's got 33 on the side. It looks like a damn Batmobile, and he showed up to bomber camp in one of those. It doesn't get much cooler than that. No, it's a straight boss move. (laughs) Yeah, that's like, nah, you're running back on this team. I don't have to do anything. It's my job. Come on. Yeah. Hey, Flanders, suck it. Is basically what Andrew Harris is saying with that. Uh, Adarius Bowman, it's been said that he's looking good in uh, blue and gold. And also, draft pick Rashawn Simonize, who was talked about a lot. He had NFL experience already. He's been working with the first-team offense and turning a lot of heads already. That could be the steal of the draft if he's on the first-team offense from day one. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's a cap league. You're going to need young guys to come in and perform. And especially if if it's a Canadian, that helps your ratio even better. So, you know, young kid coming in, not making a lot of money, you can spend that money elsewhere until you have to re-sign him and it just makes your team way better. But the big news, uh, we talked about it even last week. Adam Big Hill, released by the New Orleans Saints, signs with Winnipeg. He will be at practice this week. That is a huge move for that defense. Yeah, that uh, I, I I got I don't know what to say with this cuz I honestly didn't think there was any chance he signed anywhere but BC. That being said, that it's a, it is a huge ad for Winnipeg, uh, you know, can never have enough linebackers. They always seem to go down like flies, so, you know, if he can stay healthy this year, it's going to do nothing but help the defense. Well, Ed Hervey basically said it's not in the economics of the BC Lions to spend all that money on linebackers, so Big Hill mm-hmm. is not a Lion. I I wasn't sure about Winnipeg. Uh, I figured maybe he would go to Saskatchewan, but yeah, they got a spot for him there in uh, Bomberland, and he's there. This is another team that we're suddenly talking about who's going to play backup quarterback because, well, the whole Darian Durant situation, that's another one to watch in camp. Oh, for sure. Um, You know, they're not, again, not going to get a lot of playing time, uh, especially as a backup, unless Nichols gets hurt, which, you know, with the losses on that offensive line, he's going to be taking some hits. Um, that being said, is Alex Ross really the answer? A lot of these teams, a backup quarterback isn't going to make that big of a difference unless there's an injury. So, I mean, it's more of a 
an insurance policy at this point for every team except Montreal. It has almost become a requirement to have a good backup. To to a point. Um, unless you're in Calgary or Edmonton. Well, when Bo or, takes six hits a year, I mean. <laughs> yeah. And that, like, who know, that number could go down. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. They always have a factory of talent there. Yeah. But, I, like, if you have a good – you don't want two number ones because then you don't have a number one. So there's a reason that your backup quarterback is your backup. Um, you know, he's got to be serviceable. Got to be able – he's got to know the offense and be able to run it. Um, but I, I don't think that battle in a lot of places is that much of a, I don't know what you, what you would call it, is that much of a storyline to me anyway, because you, you don't get to see these guys enough. And granted, if it was Darian Durant and, you know, the minute Matt Nichols starts to struggle, then it becomes a story. Then you have a quarterback controversy, but now with Darian Durant gone, I think it's, it's not going to matter who the backup is in Winnipeg because if, if Matt Nichols gets hurt, I think their season's pretty much done anyways. Well, it finally happened in Hamilton. After talking about it for months, will it happen? Won't it happen? It finally happened, and Johnny Manziel is a Hamilton Tiger Cat. I'm kind of relieved uh, that it's yeah, over. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. It's been about a year and a half, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring a lot of eyes to north of the border. Oh, absolutely. That's going to, I don't know how much of a ratings pull it will be, um, but because, if, well, for one thing, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be the starter coming out of camp. No, uh, Mazzoli proved himself last year. Ab- absolutely. But d- I think Hamilton kind of got a little caught up in the circus trying to sign Manziel because they haven't signed their first round draft pick yet. Yeah, they haven't done that either, and you, you kind of need to get that done <laughs> because they they did a lot to get that first round pick. Then again, it, Ken Austin's involved, so maybe the communication has been lost somewhere, which is a shocker. Yeah. But <laughs> really, you know, you got to you got to get on that at some point here. Like, you know, get this kid signed and get him some reps and. What what if he's good enough to make the team? He's a first round pick. You obviously picked him in the first round for a reason. First overall. He, like well yeah like come on guys like I get it Johnny Manziel you you had him on your on your nag list for years and now you finally got the chance to sign him and all this but you know you, you gotta have you gotta sign these you gotta sign your draft pick like I, it, that's something that needs to get done and at what point does it become too late for him to come into camp and even get a legitimate shot. So Manziel, he's still only 25. He had 14 games in the NFL. And who knows really how bad or how good he really is because it was with Cleveland. Can, <laughs> I, if it was any other team, I would like to think that <laughs> the results Cle- probably Cleveland's would have been Cleveland's won one better. game in two years, and they gave their coach an extension. <laughs> like, I make fun of Montreal, but holy crap. I actually think... Well, the the Browns did a lot of moves. This is not an NFL podcast, but the the Browns had no. a lot of positive moves, at least on paper this offseason. Up until last, I'm pretty sure the Alouettes might have a chance against them. <laughs> I'm not getting into this debate. I, I'm not debating you. I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the Stampeders would beat 
the uh, Browns. I'm not even going to argue about that. But oh, I think they'd be favorites. The worst versus the worst. Now that's the real conversation. <laughs> 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 but Manziel's going to show up. Um, he he signed a two year deal, and of course he is coming here to get another shot in the NFL. So he is going to do his damnedest to get onto the league or onto the field. Do you do you see him starting a game this year? What is the over under there? One and a half. It it really depends on Jeremiah Masoli. It does. Um, if he plays like he did last year, he's not going to see a start. No. Um, you know, if he starts to struggle midway through, and you know they're they're two points back of a playoff spot, and maybe maybe the team needs a needs a shakeup, then maybe I see it. Or, if, God forbid, Masoli gets hurt. But if Masoli plays like he did to end last year, there's no way. Toronto Argonaut camp, uh, not that much to report right now, but the receiver position is going to be interesting to watch once the preseason games get underway. They've got some older receivers there, and they're losing the Grey Cup MVP, Devere Posey, and Jeff Fuller has been released. So there's opportunities at receiver to catch the ball from Ricky Ray, maybe this last season of his. Could you think of a quarterback in the CFL that you'd want to play for that you wouldn't, or that you would rather play for right now? No, I'm pretty like, sure I could catch a thousand yards of him at quarterback. Oh, your hands would be pretty freaking sore, but yeah. Well, I don't know um, if I could run a thousand yards in a 18 game season, but well, no, like you, you would have no no yards after catch. <laughs> no yak. Like I, I love you, but come on. Hey, I had one of the greatest. Oh my god! I played cricket in junior high, and I'm pretty sure we were down about thirty runs. Are they even called runs in cricket? I think so. I, we we're down the last two batters, and we came all the way back. It's like a fishing story, you know, the six foot fish that broke your line. I, we were down thirty five runs, and. Came back and won that bad boy. You know how many pylons I had to run around for that? Canadian cricket is the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen. Softballs on top of orange pylons for the wickets. That thing on Twitter right now about, you know, your weirdest sports accomplishment or whatever that's going around. I think that I think you need to tweet that. That is one of them, although Dodgeball Champions, grade twelve inter- intramurals, that is yeah, one I was of them a- as well. I was a healthy scratch in the championship game. I remember that. <laughs> Did I scratch you? Yep. For a guy who hadn't played the whole tournament. I don't want to get into it. And we're still friends? Uh, maybe I'm just biding my time. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I'll give you the championship <laughs> ring. I'll get you a replica. <laughs> uh, the, the sap suckers. True underdog story. <laughs> And while we're talking about receivers, uh, Ottawa is another one of them. You basically have uh, Ellingson and Sinopoli, and they lose Kreiner, Shaw, and Stangby. So there's going to be some new faces on that side of the ball with the Red Blacks as well. Uh, yeah, I, but to be honest, after Sinopoli and um, Ellingson, if those guys can have another thousand yard season each. I, it, it almost seems like you're going to be a 
a decoy, and they still have Deontay Spencer. They do. So, I mean, you got three guys there that are that can all have a thousand yard seasons, and you're not going to need you need two you need twenty five hundred yards from four other guys. So, I mean, it can be done. Um, you know, that being said, not a lot of big names in no. in line for for that position. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see who comes out um, of camp as as a uh, starting receiver for this team. I, I don't know enough about everybody that's in camp. Like, <laughs> these names are – the only one I recognize really is Dominique Grimes. Yep. And as for Montreal, we've talked about the five quarterbacks there, but there's another receiver list team as well. They have Chris Williams, Ernest Jackson, and B.J. Cunningham – who else? And who's going to throw them the ball? So That was my next question. Does it really matter who they have at receiver? <laughs> Can they run the ball every play? Until Sutton gets hurt again. Yeah. Well, he gets beat up because <laughs> the guy, oh, he's a warrior out there. But Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But they, they, can't, they can't throw the ball, so they've got to rely on the run to hopefully try to set up the throw. I, I don't know what they're doing there. I, it, I've... I've I've stopped trying to understand. They've needed a quarterback ever since Calvillo left, and everybody thought Crompton was the answer. I mean, his hair was good enough to be a starter. And then he cut his hair and had the family issues, and he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. So, you know, without a quarterback in this league, good luck. If he didn't cut his hair, the Alouettes would be contenders. They might be great. They might be back-to-back Grey Cup champs (laughs) in that East Division. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, that's episode 102 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Life's about to get quite crazy for you. Are you moving all next week, one day? What are you doing? Uh, I have most of my stuff packed, so I just need to pick up the trailer, throw everything in there on Thursday, unpack Friday, and then I won't have cable till Thursday. So I think I might just pit in at Cheers or at Mom and Dad's. I haven't decided yet. All right, nice man. So the uh, preseason starts on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a CFL game played in May, but May 27th, it's the Riders and the Eskimos, the first preseason game of the year. That one will be on TV. And then what game do we have after that? On Thursday, Montreal, Ottawa, and then all next weekend. We've got three games next Friday. So we're going to be watching some Canadian football very soon. I am so, so happy to have it back. I'll talk to you next week, Brazilian Ty. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Rate well, I guess that, that's not ours. That's not ours. Uh Yeah, okay, sounds good. (laughs) Eskimo Empire inside joke. All right, buddy. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Did you give us a five-star rating yet, Ty? Uh, I think I went in there and did that. Okay, yeah, because it was either three or four, you jerk. I think it was, well, no, it was an accident. Okay. I swear. (laughs) Might have only been three after I lost the bet. All right, I'm glad it's five now. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Have fun watching the football this weekend. Oh, I will. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.